Um, okay, sure. Yeah. So the Myrana business all has to do with uh, what are called non-abelian anions. Everybody knows what that is, right? Of <laughs> Welcome back to Relatively Certain, a science podcast straight from researchers at the University of Maryland. I'm Dina Gankina, and today I'll be guiding you through the math of baked goods, its unexpected role in physics, and how it explains a new discovery, fresh from the oven. The story goes back several decades to research that earned three scientists the 2016 Nobel Prize in physics. And it all pretty much boils down to the difference between a donut and a donut hole. Imagine you've got a ball of dough. There's a lot you could do with it. You could leave it as is and fry up a donut hole. Or stretch it out and bake a baguette or flatten it and add some sauce and toppings for a pizza. All those shapes have one thing in common. They aren't donuts. To make a donut, you would need to do something more than just stretching and shaping the dough like putty. You'd need to tear it open or suture two ends together, a drastic action that would alter what mathematicians call the dough ball's topology. So to someone who studies topology, a loaf of banana nut bread and a pepperoni pizza are basically the same thing. But if you poke a hole through that pizza, well then all of a sudden you've got yourself a donut. And if you keep going, adding more holes, you'll end up with a pretzel or some other baked good with even more internal voids. These different shapes have distinct topologies, each classified by answering one simple question. How many holes does it have? Turns out topology, as abstract as it may seem, shows up a lot in physics. There are topological insulators, topological superconductors, topological quantum computers. Topology is like the physicist version of all those organic labels at the grocery store. Uh, this is a little trickier because, um, unfortunately, this phrase topological has been thrown around in, in multiple ways because physicists just find it uh, interesting. That's Jay Sao, one of our local experts on topology and its role in physics. Hi, I'm Jay Sao. I am an associate professor at the University of Maryland, and I work on condensed matter theory broadly, and more specifically, topological superconductors is one of my central interests. We'll return to that superconductors thing a bit later. But first, let's talk about one of the first times scientists connected topology to physics. Back in the 80s, Scientists discovered that something odd happened when a thin sheet of semiconductor material was surrounded by a magnetic field. As researchers dialed up the strength of the field, they found that the material's electrical conductivity, its ability to conduct electrical current, decreased in extremely precise steps, jumping suddenly to lower values instead of decreasing smoothly. This phenomenon is called the quantum Hall effect. Um, the integer quantum Hall effect was, of course, a complete surprise. It was not explicitly predicted, but once it was observed, it was understood pretty well. At first, scientists struggled to understand the origin of these pristine jumps in conductivity. Why were there jumps at all? Enter a group of theorists who finally suggested that electrons, the particles that carry current through materials, might be experiencing some previously undiscovered topological effects. Sao explained this in the context of a particular flavor of quantum Hall effect, 
a fractional kind. At least in the case of Quantum Hall, so it's a two-dimensional system, and I'm imagining I'm putting it on a surface. And okay, at least as a matter of theory, in theory land, we can wrap it on the surface of a sphere, or we can wrap it on the surface of a donut, or we can wrap it on the surface of a pretzel. And these all would have different topologies. In reality land, physicists don't go wrapping things around donuts willy-nilly. The topology comes into play when you zoom way into the quantum level, to the world of electrons. When you enter the quantum realm, you'll find that you can't pin down an electron to any one point. Instead, electrons are in many places at once, like waves bobbing up and down on the ocean. And the big discovery was that these waves have a hidden topology, something that hadn't been seen in experiments before. If the waves are calm and smooth, easily deformed into other simple waves, they have a simple topology, like a ball of dough with no holes. Electrons in the air, and in familiar materials like copper or aluminum, are simple waves, at least at room temperature. But in some cases, the electron waves become more complicated, acquiring a twist in their motion that simpler waves just don't have. These twisted waves can't be easily transformed into simple waves just like a pretzel can't be transformed into a loaf without some serious doughy surgery. You can then count the twistiness of these waves. One turn, two turns, three turns, and that's a classification by topology. In the quantum Hall effect, the magnetic field is responsible for adding these twists. As the field gets stronger, the number of twists changes in discrete jumps, just like the conductivity. But there's one more twist, in the story. It has to do with what happens at the interface between a material with these twisted electron waves and a neighbor with a simple topology. For instance, where a quantum hull material meets the air, which is topologically simple, electrons near the boundary don't know whether to twist up and obey the topological side or stay boring and obey the plane side. So they effectively ignore both and just travel along the edge. This is the current that's detected in quantum Hall experiments. This is an early story of topology and physics, but it was far from the last. Since then, theorists started dreaming up other ways that non-trivial topologies might pop up in nature. And experimentalists have started examining all kinds of stuff through the lens of topology, finding that many previously mundane materials began to appear more interesting. But it's been challenging to conclusively demonstrate some of the most exotic theoretical predictions. One wild idea that has captured the attention of many scientists originated with an Italian physicist named Ettore Majorana. Back in the 1930s, he predicted a new kind of particle, now called the Majorana fermion. Decades later, physicists have now realized this particle might be a useful building block for quantum computers. Ettore Majorana spent years of his life as a recluse, and in 1938 mysteriously disappeared at sea. And like the man himself, Majorana fermions have proved to be very mysterious and elusive. Here's Jay Sow again. This actually created a whole flurry of theoretical activity, and we understand a lot of these. They can be of all kinds, but experimentally, we're missing any real demonstration of this but a new breed of topological materials might help crack the case. 
scientists have theoretical and experimental evidence that some materials might host Majorana fermions along their edges, so long as they combine two peculiar properties, a twisty topology, like in the quantum Hall effect, and superconductivity. In superconductivity, the electrical resistance of the material drops off the map, all the way to zero. There are lots of materials that become superconductors once they're cooled way, way down, but most of them don't have any of that topological je ne sais quoi. Finding a doubly special material, one that is a superconductor with some twisted topology, has been challenging. Sao and other researchers have proposed experiments where Majoranas might be spotted, but the proposals have always felt kind of artificial. So the idea was there, like we put together boring materials that exist, and with the hope that something interesting happens. And In this approach, scientists are melding something topological with something that's a superconductor in the hope that their proximity to one another will create the right environment for Majoranas. But there's always a chance that a single material will be found that could avoid the grab bag approach of combining different boring materials together. My name is Jean-Pierre Paglioni. I'm the current director of the Maryland Quantum Materials Center at the University of Maryland. Our sort of meat and potatoes is really making and studying materials uh, using everything from the periodic table. You heard Paglioni at the top of the episode, musing about the relatability of non-abelian anions. He's part of a team that's been studying uranium ditelluride, a material that might have just the right mix of properties to host Majorana fermions. And uranium, you know, everyone knows it as the you know nuclear bomb or nuclear reactor material, but it actually is very interesting from a fundamental perspective because it has these, it's that weird row in, in the periodic table that's often left out, you know. It turns out that one of the other things uranium does is form chemical bonds with tellurium, which Wikipedia calls a brittle, mildly toxic, rare, silver-white metalloid. Right. Anyway, the combination, uranium ditelluride, has recently experienced a rebirth as a material of interest. So it's a funny thing because the material was studied uh, probably 20 years ago uh, for its basic properties, and there's a few publications. But uh, the researchers at the time basically just didn't look below 2 degrees Kelvin to see if it was some, something was happening. Paglioni's talking about temperature. 2 degrees Kelvin is minus 456 in Fahrenheit and minus 271 in Celsius for our metric listeners. That's seriously cold. Why would anyone even bother cooling something down so much? Well, it turns out many of the superconductors we know about aren't actually super until they're chilled almost all the way to absolute zero. For instance, uranium rhodium germanium, not to be confused with a Harry Potter spell, only becomes a superconductor at half a degree Kelvin. Anyway, Shang Ran, a postdoc working with Paglioni, cooled a chunk of uranium ditelluride down below the 2 Kelvin of previous studies. That's what he did, and he found that it was superconducting at 1.6 Kelvin. The old research had been tantalizingly close to uncovering this property of uranium ditelluride, and the discovery piqued the interest of Paglioni and his team. They started running more tests on the newly discovered superconductor, 
hoping it might also meet the second of the two Majorana requirements, a twisty topology. The tests probe the response of the material to environmental stress. In superconductors, the electrons all pair up, each one with its own soulmate. These pairs then move as one, giving it that super quality. In ordinary superconductivity, the electron soulmates pair up in a way that's kind of weak. They're easily broken apart when scientists turn on magnetic fields. But there are other ways for the electrons to pair up, dancing around each other and making it much harder for magnetic fields to break up. These dancing soulmates exist in a twisty wave, more donut than donut hole. Uh, in this material, we were surprised to find that when we applied a, the strongest magnetic field we have in, on, in Maryland, actually, which is our 20 Tesla magnet downstairs, um, we couldn't break the pairs. It was still superconducting. And that, for a transition temperature of 1.6 Kelvin, is, is unprecedented. And so um, that immediately told us that there was something special about this superconductor. And in fact, it was it led us to the conclusion that the pairing itself is uh, unusual. Other researchers recognized how strange this behavior was and began making their own measurements on uranium ditelluride. The group of Vidya Madhavan at the University of Illinois, in collaboration with some of Paglioni's colleagues, started looking closely at the edges and found that the current on the edge of the material flowed in a single direction, a one-way street. This offered further evidence of unusual electron pairing. Together with the difficult-to-disrupt superconductivity, these two features suggested that something topological was afoot. And so as we go on, you know, we, we, we're trying to explore these other key features, but those are two that strongly suggest that it's a topological superconductor. A third one would be something like um, if there's a prediction that in a, a particular type of topological superconductor, there would be a fluid of Majorana fermions on the surface. They would be there just because, uh, because of the topology. Um, and so we're working on an experiment to try to see if we can see that. That would be a, another indication that this really is something uh, that, that is in this uh, category of topological superconductors that may actually be useful for something. These Majorana fermions would be guaranteed by topology, and therefore not easily disturbed by changes to the material or external noise sources. This makes them very attractive for potential use in quantum computing or precision measurement devices, although there would still be a lot of work left to do to figure out if they could be harnessed and controlled in useful ways. And while other superconductors have shown similar promise, uranium ditelluride seems particularly reliable and experimentally accessible. That's why Paglioni and others who are interested in developing viable quantum technologies are on the edge of their seats. So I, I guess I could say that coming across a material like this is, is uh, often sort of a dream for us in that it has all the different ingredients. It has a lot in store and it's kind of fun. The recognition of topology's role in physics has seeded a lot of discoveries over the past decades. But many believe this is still only the beginning. Uranium ditelluride is just one of a host of quantum materials that researchers around the globe are studying, both experimentally and in theory land. So next time you're baking, or at least consuming, some tasty treat, take a moment and consider how many holes it has. 
and think of the important insights that this simple counting has brought to physics. That's it for this episode. I hope I didn't completely twist your brain into a pretzel. Thanks this week to Jay Sow and Jean-Pierre Paglioni for taking a deep dive into topology and physics, and to all of their collaborators who carried out this research. We'll be back soon with another episode. For Relatively Certain, I'm Dina Gankinow.